Hello, and welcome to Career Talk with OG, where we empower you so opportunities come to you. Through our series of podcasts, we will give you relevant, practical, actionable career tips and strategies. We believe that through the act of storytelling, we can deliver relatable and authentic talks that allow listeners to gain real-world insight into the career journeys of industry professionals. With our very own Sasson, we bring to you Career Talk with OG. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another uh, edition of Career Talk with OG. You'll notice today we have a common thread here. We have all Garcias. Now, we did have him last year, excuse me, last week too. There was Ruby Garcia, but we're not related. Ruby and I are not related. In this case, we are related. So we have today, I mean, you all know Angelica. You know, she sometimes is uh, in front of the scene. Sometimes she's behind the scene. Today she's in front, will be. But we also have my son, David, not David. David, he prefers to be called uh, David uh, Garcia. And we're going to be talking about, uh, you know, this being Pride Month, um, we are going to be talking about, um, he's a co-founder of a student uh, association called uh, Musicians of Color Association, or MOCA for short, which by the way, now I'm craving a MOCA. And (laughs) and he's going to be talking about why... uh, uh, he co-founded this organization. But before we get into that, David, uh, hello, welcome. I mean, I, you know, I know you're da- uh, I'm your dad, but, you know, this is the very first time you've been on the show here. In fact, I think we had to give you a little training here on where to click. But uh, why don't you, why don't you um, tell, tell everyone a little bit about your, um, you know, education journey and what you're majoring and, you know, why you're majoring and the major that you selected. Yeah, thank you. I'm so excited to be here. And I think you hit it right on the head. You know, we're all craving a mocha, you know, and I know you mean coffee, but I sure did needed a group that was like the Musicians of Color Association during my time. Um, I am a uh, rising senior at uh, Chapman University, music education major, vocal emphasis. Um, you know, and it's kind of an interesting major. I, I've, I've been there for six years now, so I'm all accustomed to my music world and all the challenges that it is. But you know, you don't really hear about a lot of people going into music education. So when I first started, I was kind of looking to become a choir director and, and really model after um, the choir program that I had come from because it was it's such a great program doing a lot of community building and and um, and in its own way uh, teaching people how to be caring and kind global citizens. So going into college, that's something that I certainly took with me. Um, And so looking to create a different type of classroom, a classroom where I, as a queer Latinx, Chicanx young man, could feel seen, you know, and that's something that I struggled with growing up and that I am looking to kind of reframe and restructure that narrative in the future. Um, Little did I know how difficult that was going to be. (laughs) So I will have been at Chapman for a total of six years, having taken two years off, one one year off the, after my freshman year, or in the middle of my freshman year, and then another year off um, what would have been, oh, who remembers, my junior year? Yeah, I think it was your junior year. <laughs> okay, I lose track. So I've gone back and forth with Chapman a couple of times. 
Um, some people would say it's Stockholm syndrome. Some people would say, I don't know. So, um, but really it's been this long journey of helping me find, um, find myself and find who I am as a um, person who owns their identity and walks with identities that perhaps are actually more oppressed than mine and understanding how to communicate a, um, a world vision that supports people who are more oppressed than us. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of, that's in short, my little story of, of um, why I'm in education now and, and where I'm at in this moment. Yes, yeah. And uh, I, you know, I want to get into several things that you pointed out right now. And, um, first of all, um, Carlos Quesada, thank you so much, my friend, amigo, for joining us. Saludos. And uh, we also have uh, Soko here who says, uh, hello, Oscar Angelica and David. It's awesome to see you three. Um, but um, I mean, so first of all, so everyone, let me give you some background, okay? There is truth that certain skills skip generations. Because I I can't dance, I can't sing, I can't hold a note, nothing like that. In fact, I remember in elementary school, and you know, I don't I don't remember if I shared this story or if you guys know this story, but sixth grade, trying out to play the drums. Back in back in the day, you know, elementary schools would have a, a music group or whatever after school, you know, a lot more extracurricular activities. And I remember trying out uh, for the drums. Why the drums? I don't know. I just felt that they were cool. I, I never even picked up a, you know, drumsticks. And if you remember, mama used to, uh, uh, used to play the drums when she was in elementary school, right? So mm -hmm. she had the skill set uh, playing the, the drums. Here I go, try out, and I didn't make it. And obviously I was disappointed because this other kid, super talented. I mean, who knows? Maybe he's like play for Eddie Van Halen or something like that. I have no idea. Okay. Guns and Roses or whatever. But, um, Anyway, he got it, and what I'm trying to say is, I didn't have, I don't have any musical skills or anything like that. And here you are, the like amazing voice. How many instruments do you play right now? I, I mean, play well. The, my primary instruments right now are voice and piano, but instruments that I can touch and kind of like pick up and play on. There's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot. Yeah. You know? I mean, see, folks, this is what I'm telling you. Like, it's true. Certain traits skip generations, okay? But, um, I mean, so what, first of all, take us, what is it about music that just drew you to it and, decided, and you decided that that's what you wanted to major? Because you did say that not very many people, you know, think of music as a career or, or major. Yeah, well, I think that's two separate questions actually in there because my question for you is what drew you to go play the drums, you know? <laughs> you know? I, you, know? I, I, you know, that was a long time ago, David. I, <laughs> I don't remember what I had for lunch today, okay? Me either. No, okay. no I, I, for me, I think it was, I don't know, I just, I just, I, I think I just saw, you know, that there was an opportunity. It sound, it seemed kind of cool, you know, to just be banging on something. Although now, now you know what? Now you got me thinking. I think, and this story, you know, I've shared, I have shared with you, but back in the day when I lived in Mexico, and you know, I would just pick up the the lids to the pots, and I would just kind of bang them, you know, and make some noise. And I think that's kind of what drew me to the drums. I was like just the banging and making some noise. Very simple. <laughs> Very simple. I mean, yeah, it is simple, but you know, within us all, we do have a creative spirit. I really do believe that. And I believe, um, you know, my, my particular draw to music was 
somewhere along early on just wanting to sing, right? And I've, I've always kind of, we know this, uh, kind of I've always sung and, and done little things here and there. But so music as a whole, we all have a connection to it. We all have a connection to the creative spirit, to wanting to make something. And, you know, the white scholars are constantly debating about like, what is it about music in particular that really draws people to it? You know, Schopenhauer would say that it's a clear expression of the will. That's all I'm gonna say about Schopenhauer because he got some other things that, you know, we don't need to deal with. Uh, but so, you know, there is something ethereal and something so personal about music. And I love that. And I love to share that with a community. You know, when we are working on a piece together in, in whatever capacity, whatever you're working on, you're working on it as a group. Or when you're working on a solo piece, you're asking yourself, what do I want to do here? What's the emotional underpinning of the music that I'm singing? There's so much to it. And I love that part, that the detailed emotional part of music. To get there, you have to do a lot of technique and work and you know, try and fit into different molds in here and then eventually break those molds. But in doing that process, you learn so much more about yourself. And I think that's where yeah. the career comes for it. You know, when we are working together on a common goal, when you take music and you know a common goal let's say music and social justice we are learning about ourselves we're learning about our community and we're building something together that's the yeah. reason to go into music well and and i never thought of it until right now you know that you said this about music and social justice because it just seems like it's just automatically been ingrained but like i just think of I mean, really, any any social justice movement, there's always music. There's a song, you know, that that is associated with a movement, an era, you know. Um, I mean, gosh, right now, what comes to my uh, uh, to my mind right now is obviously being in, in Mexico during the Mexican Revolution, the song Adelita, which is a re revolutionary song about the women and the role that women played in the Mexican Revolution, a very important role. But but again, you can go to the present and music and, and social justice just come together. Um, absolutely. Um, so share with us some of the challenges, because you, know, you mentioned six years at Chapman, uh, which by the way, that's $50,000 in case you guys don't know, okay, a year. A year, okay, that's a year. Yeah, yes, that's $300,000, folks, okay? Uh, I can do the math really quickly. But you've had some challenges uh, in college. You've withdrawn twice. How, tell us about what some of these challenges that you've experienced, because obviously that's going to lead us to the starting of, of MOCA. Yeah, well, I mean, it's actually a perfect transition because you talk about, you know, the social justice and social justice and music so so naturally being there, talking about revolutionary songs or also unionizing songs, union songs. And and yes. and even the genre of folk music is often um you know, let's let's take let's take corridos and stuff in in um in Latin America and um or in mariachi because that's my my area that I know a little bit better. You know, they're telling stories, right? Stories about what X Y Z, how who did what, who saved the town, who who is our heroes, who's blah blah blah. So we're we're telling a narrative. No matter what music we're doing, we're telling a narrative, and that's sure. my key challenge. Yeah, I was Hank and I were driving to Marshalls earlier, and I was sitting in the. I didn't tell her this when we were driving, but I was sitting in the car, and it occurred to me. 
So Chapman is considered a classical conservatory. And in classical conservatory, we are studying Western art music, okay? And Western art music is, you have, they'll teach you your second year, you go into your class and compendium, they teach you there's art music and then there's popular music, okay? Mm -hmm. So art music, you listen to enlighten yourself about for the intellectual reasons for this deeper, let's let the motorcycle pass by, you know, for this deeper, um, reason right and then pop music is popular music is to dance to move and uh, makes you feel good but not necessarily a lot of thought behind it why the heck in the world are we making this distinction who made this distinction who's to say and art music is prized because of its erudite nature right you know it's 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 art music it's classical music we're going to the symphony to become well-rounded but yeah. it's all cultural at the end of the day. Sure. We, are, we are talking about music in terms of classism. And in America, we're talking about it with classes and racism directly aligned. Yet we have not been ready to swallow that pill yet that it is a cultural music that we are studying, that we are actually studying the tradition of Western European music. Yes. And that's my biggest gripe that I've had up until this very day <laughs> um, of about classical music and a barrier into entry that I think for a lot of a lot of young people just in general and young musicians, you know, you we are. Uh, Hanka, you know, question for you. I mean, what is your thought? Whoa, about whoa, whoa! This is career talk with OG and David Garcia. <laughs> I was just here for support. <laughs> I think so. So I'm just really curious because. Yeah. I, we we have and you know father as well we as a family we do not listen to classical music no. <laughs> when you say we uh, you when you just mentioned saying we go and watch symphonies to feel enlightened i go watch symphonies to fall asleep okay like, I exactly have any sense of enlightenment whatsoever besides my eyelids going shut like that's it that's it yeah, I listen exactly. to, to, to turn the lights off so, uh, that's, that's enlightened. <laughs> right, you know? Yeah. So we all have this different cultural context to what music we like to listen to, which music speaks to our soul. Yeah. But again, the, the thing is, is that when we are teaching music, we must then redefine what we are teaching. Because so long it is based on, let's teach how to make musicians that will become classically trained and, trained and go into conservatories. Sure. But really what we need to do is we need to look at our students, look at the people who are coming into music and the people who are shy to come into music. That's my goal. My goal is to create music. One of my goals is to create music that is bringing everyone to the musical table because yes. that's what we need to do. We need to break this narrative, tell the counter narrative. Right. And that is, is um, something that is continuing on. There's a conversation yeah. that is evolving. And you know, I love how you said about just bringing, you know, everyone to the table here, you know, music, because, and again, I'm obviously, I know very little about music and, you know, I've been to your performances and um, just as a, just from a very basic perspective, you know, uneducated, the, the symphony, to me, I look at the uh, symphony, right? Uh, there's a mix of different instruments and every instrument plays an important role that together the conductor brings everything together 
you don't just have everyone all trumpets or all violinists or whatever, you know, instrument. You bring a diversity. And so it's interesting how sometimes, you know, it takes someone like yourself, someone, you know, like, you know, you're, uh, the other co-founders of Mocha to help, I guess, for those of us that don't know music, how to eloquently explain and and bring us to the table of, of music, right? Um, so... But no, that's that's uh, that's that's. I mean, you're right. It's so true. Um, but tell tell us, you know, again about just some of the, you know, you, again, you know, you you withdrew from Chapin a couple of times. Like, what was happening there, and what were some of the challenges that you ran into a, on a personal level? Well, you know, I, again, great transition, and I'm going to throw it back to you actually because you you have a great pivot here, and I, I'm kind of curious. And how? So again, we don't we don't not a family that goes to symphonies. We're not a family that is really accustomed to to their rules folks if you don't know there are rules about how to behave in a classical concert you know don't clap i can't here, show up here. with my popcorn you know yeah you can't. away why not Snacking why not gum. why can't you yeah. show up with your popcorn but i'm curious for both of you um Hanka and father you know how do you feel about when you are going into a um one of my concerts one of, let's say one of my choir concerts how comfortable in the space are you as well, as a uh, I almost got in a fight the last time I was at your concert, okay? Because, <laughs> because I remember, you know, right, what, what do parents do? You know, I, right, ever since you guys were little, right, you, you, well, now your phone, you know, back then it was the, you know, just camera. And I'm all, you're over here performing and it sounds amazing, right? Because of the, 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 uh, the, the, amazing the, 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 the yeah. But, you know, I'm over there like videotaping and there was a, a family behind me. And the dad had the, you know what, the cojones to be like, can you stop videotaping? I can't see. I'm like, listen, I'm paying $30,000 too for this, my boy's education, okay? I'm like, shut up, you know? And, uh, and I got to know, I didn't say that to him. That's what went through my mind, okay? So does that answer your question? And how, does that answer your question how I felt? <laughs> but, you know, you're you're hitting it right on the head. And Heka, do you have anything to, that you would want to kind of share? Um, it's like a process. I prepare myself for your performances. I have to take a nap before, I have to eat before, <laughs> and then I usually have to do like have some something to kind of focus on, because sometimes I'll just I'll zone out a little bit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. And this was part of my awakening. I realized that the world that I was a part of, the music world that I was a part of you know, weighed on the people that I loved and, and thus weighed on me in, in a way that I was going to love myself. Um, there, there really is, um, unfortunately, a lot of, um, uh, you know, again, classism and racism that happens in yeah. music and the ways that we should behave. And, um, you know, slowly, slowly as, as a young person, I was awakening to those challenges in the, in the music world. And, um, and you know, it kind of for for me personally, it, it really started with kind of the the conversations between my peers. I, I really so Chapman is a predominantly white campus, and um, not only is it predominantly white in in numbers, I believe. Mm, I think I can't. You know, numbers aren't off the top of my head. It is it's about fifty percent white, which you know, it, or fifty four something like that. Um, but not only is it white in demographics, it's white in ideology, and it's white in ideology because the way to su succeed in the music conservatory is by adopting this idea of a white 
lens, a white lens of viewing yourself. And in some of my essays that are somewhere out there on the internet, um, are um, I talk about you know bodily racism, specific bodily racism. When you are in conservatory or a conservatory style um, school of music, you are and you're taking private lessons. You're with your teacher, right? And you're learning to sing. You're learning, you know, how to be beautiful. And part of being beautiful is how you present yourself when you walk on stage. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so, or and how you make mannerisms in song, right? Now, my biggest kind of gripe that I have <laughs> was one day I was singing a song that was in Spanish because I was doing my sophomore recital where um, you practice and you do a single set of music and, and you sing in front of, of the crowd. You stand in the crook of the piano and you just are up there um, all nice and tall, right? And um, it, uh, I forget the composer, but the, the um, the poetry is, um, if you know La Llorona from um, the mariachi song, so, que sube los pinos más alto, llorona, a verte, llorar y lloraba. So it was derived from that kind of, those folk songs, but it, I think it was a Spanish setting or something. And so I went, oh, <laughs> I know how to interpret this. I know these words. I, like, they mean something to me. But my very rather old and white male teacher, was like, no, you're going too far with it. That's not artful anymore. Um, and it's funny that same year, someone we had a clinician come in who said, you need to um, you need to emote for the top of your audience, the people who are the most educated of your audience, because you'll bring everyone up with you. Um, yeah. So I said, no, no, no. I I know what I'm doing, and I want to do this. And he was like, no, you have to do it this way. And I don't know what it was in studio that day, but I broke down crying in front of everyone because. I simply felt what my culture was asking me to do, you know, but here was this, you know, stand up taller, stop moving your hands, stop being so emotional. And it's how many times do people of color, we hear that we're being too emotional, you know? And I mean, this was at the, uh, probably two years in. And so, you know, I'm carrying all this trauma with me already of like, <laughs> this person said like, why'd they say hello to me like that? You know, all these, whatever microaggressions with me. And so in this moment, sure. it kind of came flooding out of me. I said, sure. no, if I'm going to love myself and be a human that is empowered, this is not, it's not here. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Mocha comes to yes. fruition and Mocha, I think this is right. This, this is his first year. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? It's going to be his first year. Yeah. Come so um, first of all, tell us what does, uh, what's the mission of Mocha? Yeah. So actually Mocha's mission is simple. <laughs> it's to uplift and um, support the needs and concerns of musicians of color. Not just musicians of color at Chapman, sure it starts at Chapman, but you know, we're musicians of color everywhere because together we're such a niche community that we have to be able to do it together and across, you know, think in a flipped way of, of the pandemic and being, you know, online, we have so many connections to our outside people. So we're able to come together as a community. But again, back to the goal. So it's to support and uplift musicians of color mm -hmm. through three core tenets. How we do that is kind of unique because we say social justice is not just about holding a theoretical value. It's about creating actionable items to yeah. create events, to create things that are engaging and bring people into our community. So what we have done is our three core tenants are socializing, 
professional development, and wellness. We think that as a group that these are the three areas that are um, key right now, at least at Chapman, to um, help uplift and empower our community. Um, because part of it, you know, we start with socialization because we we have to draw people in. We have to, we ha really do have to set this thing to say like, yes, it is comfortable. The path of least resistance is to assimilate into the white world. But what does that do to you? And we're not gonna be there to shove it down your throat. We're there to say, look at these people, look at this world, look at this community and look at what we're building. Come with us, join us and be joyful with us through our socializing. That's powerful. Nadine, I want you to repeat the three things that you just mentioned because I think they are so critical. And also for anyone that is either currently watching us right now or later listens to the replay um, that is in corporate America, Folks, this is what the young professionals are wanting in, in, a, in terms of a value in a company culture. And if you want to attract this young talent or have it easier, I think it's important that we understand what is important to them. So can you please say that again, the three things? Our three core values at MOCA under the, the, the lens of social justice are socializing, professional development, and wellness. Again, three things that really really are are really important to to me as a as a as a person of color who is progressing that's in awesome. this field yeah that's awesome um and so like how, how did mocha come come about i mean what was it like did you already did you guys already like you know there was a group of you that was already hanging out and like hey guys you know let's start this association or like what what how did that come about you know, it actually came about after a um, an argument. <laughs> the first first thoughts of Mocha. So, um, so Mocha kind of that you know is born of of the the movement of the Black Lives Matter movement that happened last last summer, specifically with with the killings of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor. When when Black Lives Matter was was um, let's say actually gained prominence in in the white areas of of America, um, that that some surge of activism, the students of the conservatory that I was at decided to actually um, write a, a letter to the administration that was saying, here's our detailed plan. They, and, it, and it was great, you know, in and of itself, it, it worked, it was well. But me coming back, because I, I had taken a year off, I was going, wait, wait, wait. I'm sorry, what, what is this about? Because what, what the students had was suddenly a knowledge of of social justice that needed to be had, change that needed to occur, but none of the foundational work. And, and I mean, same, I also didn't have the foundational work. I had just dropped out twice and was like, okay, so um, I'm not gonna sit here and, and just, you know, gotta do something. So slowly after kind of teasing out what this argument was that they were making with this letter, they wanted to create a, a board. They wanted to elect positions that were made for, um, yeah, it's funny because they want to take the democratic approach and say elect people into um, into a student panel that was going to work with administration. And I said, hold up. Why are we not working with the collective? Why are we not bringing everyone into this coalition? So it kind of got me thinking about creating this organization as a way to then support our ideas of saying everyone is welcome to be a part of these decisions and be a part of making change and be a part of learning. So, you know, there's a phone call and I was like, hey, 
we're going to do this. And then someone else, hey, we're going to do this. And then we all got together and was like, we're going to do this. So that was kind of the <laughs> collectivizing. Well, and, uh, and uh, you know, you mentioned that it kind of got started out of an argument. And um, I really believe that um, true change happens either when you are super freaking excited or you are super pissed off and you've had enough. I mean, it, it, it's, it, you know, you can't be in the middle, you know, kind of lukewarm. Um, that's kind of the comfort zone uh, area. And um, yeah, and I mean, I didn't know this, what, uh, what you just shared about, you know, out of an argument. So yeah, you know, people were pissed off. Okay. So, so um, change. Absolutely. And, and, um, and I think we don't give enough, enough space to people to be angry. When you let people be angry in a positive way, we are valuing the emotional needs of people. You know, we have an aversion to anger. Yes. And that, that, what you just said right now, is very important because we can get angry, and many of us not gotten angry, and, but it turns into hatred. And, you know, pointing fingers and, you know, and, and just, you know, you go down the wrong path that is unproductive, right? It can lead to many negative things but when you turn that anger into positive you end up doing what you and the rest of the co-founders have been uh have been able to create uh mocha at uh, a chapman um i, I want to get into talk about because you had your first big event i think maybe about a month or two months ago mm -hmm. uh, but before we get into that um I want to come back to something that you shared um, with everyone. And, you know, again, this is being Pride Month. Um, you know, as a queer, what about, can, is there anything that you want to share in terms of, you know, has that posed some additional challenges for you uh, in, in the major that you're in or just, you know, with MOCA, et cetera? Or, you know, what, you know tell us, you know, about that, that journey, that experience. You know, the, my, my queer identity is something that I'm still teasing out. And um, I, I'm, again, another essay. Look out for it, folks. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just in the final stages of talking about what it means for me to be queer. And, and um, something for me, I, in some ways, I've ignored my, my, um, my queerness to some degrees um, because I'm never without my brownness. I'm always brown first, right? I'm always, I have my culture and how queerness functions within my culture. And, and right now as it's Pride Month and we're all being inundated and our local targets are being inundated by a corporate, <laughs> the corporatization of pride, um, my kind of call to action is to understand what is the actual power dynamic in, within the queer community and a critique on the queer community and how it is in fact also dominated by white images and, and white images of of um, gay white men actually, rather than the diverse and inclusive community that it's supposed to be. Um, yeah. I've always had a kind of a contentious relationship with with um, with my identity as a queer person. Yeah, so. yeah, and and you know what what uh, uh, what's interesting? You'll see when you're when you come out here to uh, Puerto Vallarta, but Puerto Vallarta, I, I had no idea, but there is actually a very strong vibrant uh, LGBTQ uh, community here. In fact, actually, it was last week? No, it was last week. Um, was Pride Week. Right. Pride, uh, Pride mm -hmm. you know? 
Yeah, and um, and and to your point, I mean, I see, I mean, you know, what looks to me like Mexicanos, you know, uh, Mexicans, uh, gay or you know, queer or whatnot, and uh, and so for as, as I also see uh, white uh, as well, but but I see a a, a mix a, a mixing right of the two, and um, but yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, in the U.S., I mean, it is primarily you know dominated again by white you know but um mm-hmm. yeah go you ahead know, you were- funny that so i it, somehow i don't know like the the queers are calling type thing but like because I, I didn't know about puerto Vallarta, like in and in, in the lgbtq scene there but um as we're you know going soon i i, I um caught wind of it <laughs> and <laughs> and it's uh and I, you know i've caught wind about some critiques as well of of um the parting that was occurring in Puerto Vallarta during during the pandemic, and I think that there are some um, key ways that the queer community identifies itself that perhaps are actually um, yeah something to do with you know our capitalist need to consume, and the queer community is not absolved from that in any way, in any place. Mm-hmm. Sure, yeah, no, definitely. But uh, hey, Ruby, thank you for joining us. See, there's Ruby. Okay, everyone, that's uh, okay. Arpia. <laughs> that we don't know about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, over here, right? <laughs> but um, so, um, I mean, uh, so tell tell us about the big event that Mocha put together again about uh, a month, a month and a half ago. Folks, it was it was a hard feat. <laughs> we the club, we started the club, we got the paperwork for the club done, and boom, we were creating a summit. We decided that what needed to happen was the creation of a uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion, and accessibility summit. Because we have to talk about all of those things in order to create a, uh, a future that is uplifting all. So um, we thought within our, our white conservatory, let's, you know what, if they're not gonna bring in the speakers, if they're not gonna hire the faculty, we're, we'll bring them in. Because my, my, part of my philosophy, if, if, um, you know, if they're not gonna do it for you, they're not gonna do it for you. So make, be the model, be the thing that you are looking for because you have the power for change. So we're like, okay, don't know how to do this. Do you know how to do this? No. Do you know how to do this? No. Do we know how to do this? Maybe. So we, you know, we got together and we, we, we uh, created a two day event and um, we had some wonderful speakers from um, uh, different colleges and universities across the country, and then also um, from the uh, Decolonize the Music Room organization based in New York, which is wonderful, wonderful organization, and um, had some student lesson plans and really focused on healing, this idea of healing that I will continually focus for at Chapman, because what Chapman needs, regardless of race, creed, religion, sex, gender, is healing. We all need to come together for a healing not for ourselves, just for ourselves, but to be able to heal as a community and as, you know, father to son, sister to brother, things like that, friend to friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's awesome. You know, when I when I heard you right now say healing and you know, you I'm thinking Mexico, right? Mexican code, what came to my mind is I think you're asking for a curandera. I please do. I'm curious, you know, I I'm you know, sure, I'm sure there's crossover. Yeah. But uh we have a question here, David. So uh so as an educator, mentorship, uh as an educator, mentorship is very important to me. Has Mocha been able to find mentors, either other musicians or organizations outside of Chapman? 
You know, this is actually, mentorship is a hot topic within our organization right now um, because it is actually something that we are struggling with. We are, we are struggling with, um, sorry, computer was kind of freezing here. Y'all can still hear me. Um, but we're struggling with mentorship. And where we're finding it right now is um, is with each other slowly as we are researching and becoming our own experts in the field of, of wellness and healing and music, we are slowly finding it. Um, but our best mentorship is needed from um, people of color who are in our shoes. We have a lot of white faculty at Chapman and in music in general. Um, so to find people that are look, working on healing has been very difficult, but I believe that it is absolutely important and something that we will continue to um, look for and, and, um, and foster, yeah. you know? Yeah. So folks, I mean, you, you heard that. And this is something that I hear a lot um, is the, the need for those of us that, you know, are out there in the working world um, uh, to reach out uh, to the young folks here for mentorship. Um, you know, I know we're all super busy uh, and, you know, many of us are already on boards, et cetera, and so forth. Many of us are already mentoring, but um, gosh, I mean, if you don't have the time, you know, for whatever reason, then make a recommendation you know, or, or nudge someone in your network to reach out to the young folks um, versus waiting for uh, young professionals to reach out to you to mentor it. Because again, the type of training that I often do for young professionals and Angelica knows this because she's oftentimes in, in my trainings, young professionals struggle with knowing how to reach out to a mentor. So, you know, you as a professional reach out to these young folks because they need the help. Hunger. And listen, okay, let's not be fooled, okay? They're going to be paying our social security, right? <laughs> so retirement, okay? We got to get them in these high paying jobs, folks. <laughs> and I also think young people are very aware of the need for reciprocity. Um, I forget one of the, you know the, in in a mentorship relationship. I think as mentees, we are looking to build something. We're looking to continue to build the future, and and build something with with our mentors. And so that's certainly something that um, I think young people are quite aware of, and and really is um, important yeah. to us. Yeah, no, it's not. David, uh, last last question before we wrap it up here. But um, anything that you want to share with folks, um, whether it's you know, some, some advice, some tips, or, you know, or, or maybe um, kind of what the, uh, the, next, the next academic year um, holds for, uh, for MOCA. You know, at the basis of all of this and, and kind of the advice that I have after, you know, after you're done watching this, after we hang up is tonight, take a moment before you're going to bed, whenever you feel like it, and check in with yourself. Check in with your own need for healing and where you find fulfillment and joy in your life and how you can foster that in others. And others' uniqueness, understand your uniqueness of your joy and others' uniqueness and that it's different. And be at peace that your joy and fulfillment is different than another's, but together that that's something beautiful when we hold each other up in our difference. Yes, yes, very well said. Uh, and folks, earlier I told you that certain traits give generations like music, singing, and so forth, because I don't have it, and also the intellect here, okay? I don't got it, so you can see here it's skipped here to uh, David and Angelica here. But um, David, that was very, very beautiful, um, a very simple message and a very um, self-reflecting, but also 
you know, again, to, your, to what you said, self-healing, that when we are healed on the inside, then we can help other people heal uh, as well. So, uh, David, I'm very proud of you for what you are doing um, there at Chapman, Mocha, and, you know, the many, just the, the lens in which you look at things. And, I mean, I myself personally uh, learn from you. Open, It's opened my eyes and, and my heart to different perspectives. And so thank you very much. Um, I appreciate that. I love you. And um, anyways, thank you everyone for joining us today on, uh, on Career Talk. We made it, uh, as you can see, uh, a family event uh, here today. So um, until uh, next week, uh, have a great, wonderful rest of your week. Bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to Career Talk with OG. Be sure to rate us and let us know what content you want to see on our next podcast. For more information, visit our website at www.aspidaconsulting.com.